Well, today as we uh, begin our, our time of, of message and, and before we watch the video, I want you to, to take note of what you hear God say in this video. Uh, see, see, David wanted to, to replace the tent that he saw. That, that there, there was a tent that they stored the Ark of the Covenant. That was the, the, the place where, where God promised to be present for his people and David wanted to replace that tent with a big temple, something much more beautiful, something much more uh, important in David's eyes. But listen to what God has to say about that. Take a look at the video. God had chosen David to be the next king of Israel. King Saul had died, and God gave his people a time of peace. David lived in a beautiful palace in the city of Jerusalem. David brought the Ark of the Lord to Jerusalem and set it inside a tent he had pitched for it. One day, David was talking with Nathan the prophet. David said, I live in a palace of nice cedar wood, but the Ark of God sits inside a tent. It hardly seemed fair. Shouldn't God have a nicer house than I do? David wanted to build a temple for the Ark of God. Nathan said, God is with you. Do what you want. But God did not want David to do whatever he wanted. God wanted David to do what God wanted. That night, God gave Nathan a message for David. This is what God told Nathan to say. David, are you going to build a house for me to live in? I brought my people out of Egypt. I gave them leaders to guide them. The entire time I have been with them, my house has been a tent. Did I ever ask anyone to build a temple for me? You used to be a shepherd, David, but I made you a king. I helped you defeat your enemies, and my people now live peacefully in their own land. I promise you, David, that you and your descendants will be kings. When you die, one of your sons will be king. He will be a strong king, and no one will be able to take his kingdom away from him. He will build a house for me. I will love him, and I will never leave him. When your son dies, his son will be king. Someone in your family will be king forever. Nathan told David everything that God said. David went into the tabernacle. He sat down and prayed, God, I don't deserve anything you've done for me, and you promised to do so much more. You are so great. There is no one like you. You chose the Israelites to be your own people. You rescued them from slavery in Egypt. God, please keep your promises. I know your words are always true. God promised David that future kings of Israel would come from David's family, and David's kingdom would last forever. God kept his promise by sending his son Jesus as one of David's descendants. Jesus is our king who will rule over God's people forever. So it can be pretty uh, embarrassing to be shown that you're wrong. When you are off track in just a little way or in big ways, it's embarrassing to be shown that you messed up. I can think of one time when I was in high school. I worked for this company that took boat tours out on a Lake Superior up in Michigan. And they let a 17-year-old drive this boat with about 150, 200 people on this boat. But it was wide open, nothing really for me to hit. So they let me drive this boat under the supervision of the captain. And to my, to my right when I was driving it, there was th this monitor that had the path that I was supposed to take, and I was just staring at it, making sure that I didn't depart from that line. If I started going a little bit to the left, I'd, I'd go a little to the right, 
then I just straighten it out. And I, and I was pretty good. I was right on that line the entire time, at least according to my eyes. Well, eventually the captain told me to turn around. You see, it, it was a calm day on Lake Superior that day, which meant that the, the boat left a trail in the water. It, you could see right where the boat had been because of, of some bubbles and kind of a difference in, in the water a little bit. So when I turned around, I didn't see that straight line that I thought I was on the whole time. Instead, it was full of zigzags. It turns out every single little adjustment that I made that I thought was small and minor ended up moving the boat far more than I had ever realized. And as a 17-year-old on my, one of my first days out on the job, I was pretty embarrassed. But of course, it was a learning experience, and I got a little bit better eventually. <laughs> See, in our Bible lesson today, David is told that he was wrong, that he was off track from where, where he thought he was supposed to be, what he thought he was doing. It seemed like David's heart was in the right place, right? When, when he wants to build this temple for God, he, he wants to show just how big and how powerful this God is. He wants to build a great temple. And if, if you know the, the story of the Old Testament, you know that they do build a temple. David's son Solomon builds a temple that, that God lays out for him, and it is beautiful, and it is full of splendor and everything that, that uh, it's a crowning jewel really in Jerusalem that shows just how great this God of Israel is. But God says to David, that's not your job. And, and after all, God says, did I ever ask for this? No, I've been in a tent the whole time. What makes you think that I even wanted a temple? See, notice how David came to this conclusion. Why did David think that it was important for God to be in a temple? Well, it's because he said, well, I've got a nice house. That makes me really important, so i got to show that God's important too. He used himself as the mark of what is really great. David looked at himself and said, well, these are the ways that I'm really great, then i got to make sure that God's great in those same ways. See, he forgot that God's ways are not our ways. The things that, that we think are great, well, God's things are actually so much greater than that, and they're often things that, that we overlook. There are, are many, many, many times where we need to be reminded of this fact, too. God's ways are not our ways. Often, or maybe most of the time, our ways end up being wrong. Maybe you can look back at your life and, and, and you can see the spots where, where you wandered off the path. Maybe in, in hindsight you can see where you were wrong, that there was that time where you said that thing to the, your friend that you really shouldn't have and you wished you could take it back. Or maybe there, there was people that really needed your help in their time of need and then you were too busy, you were too focused on your own issues and you didn't, you didn't help those people. So often, just like David, we can't even recognize this in ourselves. We can't even see it in ourselves when we're wrong. What we need is someone to tell us. The way that Nathan need, or David needed Nathan the prophet, we need someone to remind us and show us of our ways. But even when that happens, when, when someone tells you that you're wrong, I think we often can go two ways about it. Either we just get angry at them. We say, no, you're wrong. You don't really know anything about me. You have no reason to judge me. Or, or we can end up just being ashamed. We can say, oh my goodness, look at how bad I am. 
Look at these wrong things that I did. And then we can just end up being sad and ashamed. And we can maybe even not ask for forgiveness because we're so, feel just so guilty about what we did. But David responds in a much better way. After David has this, the, the, receives this message and promise from God, he goes into the tent that he wanted to replace, and he sits down in front of the Ark of the Covenant, and he just praises God. He says, there is none like you, God. See, David remembers this fact. When God's ways are not our ways, true, it, it means that our ways are wrong, but it also means that God's ways are better than our ways. David wanted to build a house for God. He, he had this great idea that he thought would make God happy. But God said, my ways are not your ways. Instead, I'm going to build a house for you. You will, will have this house. It's bigger than, better than a, a physical house, but it's going to be a kingdom that will never end. When you die, your son will be on the throne. And when he dies, his son will be on the throne. This, this is a promise that, that, that would change David's life. And it would change the whole people of Israel's life. As they were looking for the Messiah, they didn't know much about who the Messiah would be or what he would look like. But they did know this. Because of this promise, they knew that the Messiah would be from David's line. They knew that, that he would be a descendant of David. Uh, someone in that house would be the one who would be king forever. The king that they were waiting for. And so ultimately when Jesus arrives, he gets called son of David all the time. He gets called son of David because that's a marker that, that he's not just any old person, but he is who God promised to David in this time. So can, can we respond like David? When, when we are wrong, when we're shown that we're wrong, instead of responding in, in anger or shame, can we say, God, you're right. God, your ways are so much better than mine. God, there is none like you. I, I think the only way that we can actually respond that way is when we remember this same thing that David remembered. Only when we remember that God's ways aren't just different than ours, but God's ways are actually better than ours. When we remember that, that God's ways did more than just establish a kingdom for David, but they brought Jesus to save the entire world from sin. See, th those ways are, are, are things that we would never have come up with on our own. They're not the things that, that, that make us think that God is so awesome, but when we experience them, when we learn about them, when, when, we, when we study them, we realize that God's ways are so much better than our ways, and God's ways truly have made us children of God.